My name is Kweku Essien, uh, and uh, I'm involved in property uh, infrastructure and technology. Uh, um, and uh, I, I'm an investor as well. So I invested in a company called Seso Global, and I serve as VP of partnerships for that company. Uh, as well, I, I serve as a partner for Amansa Capital, which is at the intersection of, of, uh, of, of uh, tech, new tech and capital, assisting them with, uh, with strategy and, uh, and raising capital. And then as well, I lead a company called Black Ants uh, as well, where uh, we assist uh, with uh, raising uh, capital for um, um, a large uh, sort of projects, infrastructure projects, mostly in Ghana. This. This, is, this is Diversified Game Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have the young Kweku Essien. He is a partner an investor in various companies, one of them being Cecil Global, which deals with real estate. And for those of you who keep asking me, tell us where we can buy our real estate, got a solution for you today. He also is the CEO of Black Ant Technologies, and he's self-employed as well with Mansic Capital. We'll get into all of that, and we'll probably focus more on the real estate because that will touch more of you. But his links will be in the description box. So if you have serious business questions, possibly investment, maybe you want to invest your stimulus if you're from America, um, you can go check them out. Quickly, welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Very good. Real pleasure being on here with you today. Well, you know, I, I, I'm just so thankful that you would come and give us the game. And, I, and like I say, I want to start with the real estate but before I do that, let me just clear the air because you're, um, I know you went to school in Toronto. Um, yeah. You're a young man and you have a lot going on. Just yeah. before, I don't know if you're married or single, but before all the ladies come and say, hey, do you have bride yeah. price? Do you have bride price? Can yeah. you talk about how do you have so much going on as a young man in the venture capital game? Were you born rich? And yeah. so this money was blessed upon you. Before we get into the real estate, I just want to clear the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, I always say thanks be to God and, uh, and to my parents, right? Uh, and so um, I, I wouldn't say I'm rich, uh, but uh, the family has done well. Uh, my dad uh, um, uh, and my mom are both bankers uh, and uh, sort of work hard for themselves. And, you know, my dad always says, his dad said uh, he has to do better for his kids. And so my dad pretty much said that almost uh, uh, most of my life. Uh, and so similarly, uh, same work ethic as well uh, sort of was uh, imbued into me uh, that, uh, you know, even though he's done well, I have to do much better. It's not really a competition, but maybe it is. Uh, uh, and uh, even within that as well, I, I was, I've been lucky to sort of uh, be mentored by some, uh, some great people as well, uh, work for um, a, uh, a family office in Canada uh, and the family, uh, yeah, well, quite, quite wealthy as well, but as well workaholics themselves. And so imbued that into me as well. And, you know, they were involved in many different things. And so 
for better or worse, uh, that same uh, um, uh, that same type of energy is inside of me where uh, maybe I'm also involved in maybe too many things, but uh, you know, I, I, you only live once, so might as well do as much as you can, right, Kellen? Yeah, I, I, I love it. A diversified game. Um, we've taught about what a family office is in you know previous interviews. But you pretty much got to have some wealth to have a family office. It's wealth management. You know, it's private wealth management. So at a young age, how did you get people to trust you to know that you, you know, because it's hard. I've been doing this for 20 years. And I know how I used to have to change my voice because puberty didn't always set in. Um, How did you get them to trust you? that you could do the work better than somebody who had 20 years of experience? Well, look, I, I end the day, uh, um, you know, there are two, two different uh, uh, sayings, right? Don't judge a book by its cover, uh, but as well, you know, you're, uh, you only get one chance for a, sort of a first uh, 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 with, with, with regard to perception, right? Uh, and so uh, I guess it's a bit of both. Uh, um, you know, at the end of the day, people will judge you when they first see you. Uh, 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 and to have their own sort of opinions about what you're capable of, for better or worse, and you know sometimes rightfully so, and sometimes obviously not. And then, but you just do sort of put your head down and do the work. And then at the end of the day, the, what you find is that the people, the sensible people, will will sort of uh, sensibly understand, you know, what you're worth. And those who have who are just stuck with that sort of uh, you know first perception or view. Uh, I don't think those people are sensible at all. And so we'll keep uh, having that same sort of notion of understanding that you, you're, you're the same person that they met from whenever, right? So I, I think it's just a matter of understanding that human nature is human nature. Some people will understand, hey, this guy's doing the work. And some will just sort of sort of toss you aside for whatever reason, right? So it's a bit of both. But I think that that's generally how, how it's been for me and probably for you as well, Kelly. Probably the same everywhere, right? Uh, I, I bet. Yes. Given that your parents had a background in banking, did that help where maybe they could um, help, you know, pass your uh, short resume because it's not a a full CV at that age? Um, Were they able to help you get in the door or were there, you know, and what I want to show people is if you do have connections, this is how you use them. And if you don't have connections, maybe you need to say, hey, I'm here to work, pay or no pay. So were your parents helpful in being able to push you into that family office to get your, your feet wet? So definitely, I will always, I'll never back away from the fact that my, my parents are, uh, have been and will continue to be helpful in my life. And uh, I'll use that as also a guidance for me with my kids as well. But at the end of the day, a parent and anybody else can only open the door. And I even think about my first meeting with, uh, uh, with family office I think about the fact that there are a lot of people who have, I think, tried to work with that family office and have failed. And I think it was just sort of my uh, understanding of quickly understanding, you know, just quickly trying to understand what, what these guys are about. Obviously, they're also quickly trying to understand what you're about as well. And so, you know, trying to make a, a good first impression. But even then as well, you know, even with that, I ended up working for them for about uh, five years, five glorious years, uh, uh, great years of my life. But you know, there's, there's a three-month uh, trial period, right, where you have to showcase to them that, you know, you're worth sticking around for, for that, that, that amount, right? So what, uh, uh, regardless, family did uh, assist. 
and uh, I think they will continue to assist, and I'm very grateful for that. But I think you quickly understand that at the end of the day, it's it's you, right? So even if my, uh, you know, you find with even some of the best footballers in the world, their kid might, or best basketball players in the world, whoever, their kid wants to be in the NBA, their kid wants to be in, in, in soccer. And so definitely their parents will get them to the door, but it, that doesn't mean you're going to be an all-star. It doesn't mean you're going to get an NBA contract or anything else, right? So uh, uh, definitely a bit of both. Uh, I think that's how we always should be. Uh, in the best case scenario, your parents will help you get to the door and then you sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 run right through it. And I love that. And and people need to, you know, use all the connections. Uh, we hear so much about people saying, oh, nobody helped me. I was homeless. But there are so, also some great stories of people who had, you know, great backgrounds. And those should be highlighted as well because they can make a movie off of whether you started homeless or if you had help and it just helps guide others. So let's talk real estate. You're selling real estate online, beautiful website, you guys. Again, links will be in the description box. Um, I want to push this for the Western audience. You coming from Canada, you understand how Westerners are. You might not understand how Americans are because they'll say, Canada, where's that? Some of them, right? Depending, yeah, geography, it's right up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. But, but um, and they wouldn't know the difference between Toronto or Montreal, some people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But you are selling real estate, and that's a hot ticket item in America right now, in the Americas, but also Africa. I have business partners who are selling, who are from America, selling African real estate. And they thought it was going to be selling it to Westerners, but they're finding they're even getting love in their um, in Africa, in Rwanda specifically. So how was it going to Ghana? I'm going to say home because that's where we're all from, you know, no matter what you look like and how many times you've been there. That's the birthplace of man. How yeah. is it selling real estate in Africa, Ghana particular? And are you seeing an uptick in Black Americans buying real estate from you? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And uh, obviously, Ghana is my sort of exact home. That's where I was born and raised uh, before I went to live in, in Canada for about a decade. And, you know, living in both places obviously gives you a good sense of, you know, the, the main differences uh, uh, between the two uh, uh, in, in lifestyle and how structures are and how things are set up. Uh, I won't lie to anyone. Obviously, uh, the continent of Africa has uh, suffered through, uh, 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 you know, the effects of colonization uh, uh, and what that led to and what that, uh, all of our countries are new countries as well that are living through some of those effects. Uh, uh, but at some point, you know, you ask yourself, uh, when do we sort of uh, move forward from, from that, right? When do we are sort of internalize, you know, some of the mistakes, some of the, the atrocities and sort of just move forward from that? So that's that's really what sort of pushed me to come back, uh, uh, in the sense that the opportunity on the continent is so vast uh, uh, with respect to many many different opportunities. But I, I think property to me is, is the ultimate uh, uh, opportunity. So uh, you talked about you know African Americans coming back, you know, uh, especially with Ghana, uh, uh, where obviously now uh, we we celebrated year of return about two years or so ago uh because of covid we haven't been able to properly you know celebrate that moving forward 
but I found um, lots and lots of African-Americans who are now, because of COVID, funny enough, able to stay in Ghana for three months, six months, you know, working from home uh, uh, and essentially are just saying, hey, I, I want to live here now. And, uh, you know, I, we talk about the negatives of COVID and we all understand that. Uh, uh, but the one positive I, I always think about is the digitization uh, and the fact that there, there is more of a nomad lifestyle now that has, has come across as well. So uh, um, lots of people are, are, would prefer to be paid in dollars, but work in, in, in Africa, work in Ghana. Uh, and so we found lots of clients coming through who, who want to buy property for investment purposes, who want to buy property for like a vacation away from uh, um, away from home. And then there are those who are like, hey, I'm done with the United States. I want to live in Ghana. Uh, uh, and um, obviously we all know uh, the history of the United States. We all know sort of the recent history as well. And obviously even uh, uh, RIP George Floyd as well, uh, uh, what happened to him and the effects of that as well. Uh, and even with COVID, all of these things have sort of you know, uh, brought a real shift in the mindset a lot of folks want to come back, uh, come back to the continent. Now, I will be quite blunt and quite honest. Quite obviously, the continent has its issues. Uh, and uh, for me, I saw that as an opportunity, but for some people, it may be too much. And, you know, I respect, I respect those who are, who say, hey, uh, uh, you know, I would still prefer to stay in the States regardless uh, uh, as well. But for me, the, the opportunity here is endless uh, 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 because of, issues. And so there are issues with buying property in, in, in Ghana. I, I'll be quite blunt with that. And that's what Ceso Global is here to solve or assist with solving. Uh, we'd obviously love more, more people to buy here and we can assist you with that. The returns here are tremendous as well uh, uh, in, in the capital Accra and even outside of it as well. Uh, um, and, and, and really it's about finding a trusted source for purchasing your property. That is really the main issue and has been the main issue here, uh, finding the right people to do it with, who will be very transparent with you about, you know, the opportunities and about the issues, you know, and that's what we, we try to do with, with, with our folks uh, uh, that, that try to buy a property here, you know, we'll assist you with the legal side of things. And even if, you know, even with us, we, we, we might want to really sell you a property, but if there's an issue there with the legalities of it, we'll say, hey, let's step back from this and let's look at something else. That's that's really what we're trying to be here—a trusted source for for buyers out there. We we found obviously our target market has been diaspora, so mostly Ghanaians and Nigerians in the diaspora. But because of what's happened in the past sort of couple of years, the African American audience has been a big big uh, customer base for us as well, and I think we'll continue to to, to grow. Number one question: When um, I'm touring or even if I'm sitting at home due to COVID in emails, I represent influencers. Many of them go to Africa often. We've even took 30 people to Kenya prior to COVID and had various tours sold out um, that we've had to reschedule. Um, yeah. People want to know, and you have a lot of, you know, Ghana is at the top of making, building that bridge. But people want to know, well, if I buy a home from you, can this be like a CBI program, a citizen buy investment, where if I spend enough money, 
that I can own that home, not that I can just own the home, but is it lease or freehold if I buy a home from you? Because I don't want to happen what happened to um, folks in Ghana, in Nigeria in 83, Ghana must go, where they renamed the whole bag, you know. <laughs> so if people buy a home from you and they're not citizens, they're not residents, is there any way that they can spend, let's say they spend 100000 or more, that they can say, I can get residency or possibly citizenship quicker in Ghana. Yeah, that's a, that's a very Caribbean uh, concept, uh, uh, citizen by, uh, by investment, uh, Kellen. Uh, I used to visit Barbados a lot. My, my background is reminding me of uh, Barbados, and I, I know that's, that's something they, they do there. And it's a concept that has been discussed here in Ghana as well. Uh, and in fact, even a concept around uh, um, the Guinean government uh, is looking to sort of uh, uh, implement uh, a system as well, where you know anyone with, uh, I guess, a drop of uh, African uh, blood uh, could could potentially also become a citizen. Uh, these are things that are in the works. Uh, it's not it's not something today, uh, and so unfortunately for those that that are looking for that, uh, um, uh, perhaps the Caribbean may may be a sort of better suited. For you, unfortunately, today. Uh, uh, but I'll, I'll state this: um, obviously, with, with Ghana, also with the system there and now today, uh, um, it is sort of it's it's an easier sort of. Uh, there are many folks out there who can sort of showcase to you how to become a citizen. Uh, it's not uh, it's not a, a, a sort of a, a system that is is opaque in any real way. Although it does take quite a few number of years, the Ghanaian government, I think, today would like to know that you are invested in the country before they give you that citizenship. Uh, you can say whether that's right or wrong, but they would prefer you stay for about five years before you get a citizenship. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, or you marry a Ghanaian. Uh, and so that's always an easy route to anything. You can marry a Ghanaian and obviously become a citizen as well. Uh, um, uh, um, and although there are uh, other ways as well, you can fast track as well, uh, depending on your service to the country. Uh, um, with respect to leasehold and freehold, and I don't want to get too technical, but there, those two systems are within the country, and so you can buy land freehold, uh, but that is only, only provided to Guineans today uh, for any foreigner, and unfortunately, I know that triggers some uh, uh, um, African Americans as well, and I apologize, uh, uh, but uh, for any foreigner, uh, you, you will have to buy it leasehold. Um, and uh, I know that's sort of a foreign concept to especially Americans who uh, hold ownership at a sort of a high, high esteem. But by all intents and purposes, you own the property. It's just a legal term where at the end of the day, you will have to pay uh, a, a lease renewal and, uh, and a monthly lease as well to, to the government uh, to, to, to own the property. Uh, 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 well, some of them you don't need to own, sort of pay a monthly Lease. And so this is where CESO comes in, where we educate uh, the buyer on really uh, on the different elements uh, of a specific property, uh, because the government can own property, a chiefdom uh, can own property, and a family can own property, uh, and as well as a corporate body can own property. And so with CESO today, we typically work with corporates. So these are real estate developers who have purchased that property, who will deal with the legalities of the property. And essentially, we'll just provide you with a sublease uh, of ownership. And so they've taken over, they've basically ensured that that 
property is unencumbered uh, uh, and that there are no issues with that property and, and will ensure that uh, everything is on the up and up uh, uh, and that that property is owned by you uh, 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 for the foreseeable sort of uh, for the foreseeable future until you, you wish to sell it again. And so these are just legal terms. I know it sort of it makes some people uncomfortable, but once once you understand that, you know, once you understand that there are people already living within this system who are owning property, living here, have lived here for many years. You know, my, my buddy's mom is, is African-American. She's lived here for 50 years and she's, she's a sort of a thriving business owner here. You know, you find that if there are people living here doing this, uh, uh, obviously there's a way to do it. And so it's really just about asking the right questions and doing it with the right people. Yeah, and not cutting corners. And you said something that I really want the American audience to tap into that, how you feel about it. When you come to somebody else's house, how you feel about it is you adjust. And if you can't adjust, you stay home and you deal with the homelessness, the police shootings, the everything else that, you know, you don't have to deal with in Ghana, especially you being an American, we assume you're coming with the money. You don't have to deal, the police in Ghana aren't going to shoot you. I can almost guarantee that... (laughs) No, they will not. Yeah. No, they will definitely not. They, they might ask you for a little money on the side. That, that, that's something that happens. But first of all, you do not need to give them any money. They will ask you as a joke. Uh, but no, they do not shoot anyone. They are, they are puppy dogs compared to some of the bulldogs out there. And, uh, it's, uh, it's... When I'm in Cameroon um, with my, my wife and my, my kids, um, I love paying the police money wherever I go. Even in Mexico, I love paying it because here in the states you have you know tolls here, tolls there. It's just a toll. What is a dollar or two to put a smile on somebody's face? It, it, it's so. Okay. I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I, I I also tend to do it, and I always chat with those guys as well. I, I, look, I, I, some people don't want to do it, and then you don't need to do it uh, first of all. But yeah, why not? I, I agree with you, Kelly. Why not? As long as you're keeping the place safe, hey, why not? And Ghana is, uh, uh, I'll say, has always been very, very safe. And that's you know, that's one thing that was always very interesting to me as a child. Obviously, I also used to watch CNN. CNN does come here in Ghana. And, uh, you know, you would see some of the issues going on in other parts of Africa. And I would always, it would always be sort of baffling to me because uh, here in Ghana, we have, we've never had those issues, you know what I mean? We have our own issues for sure, but safety has never really been uh, uh, at the top, top of my mind. Uh, people are quite hospitably, hospitably here. The police do do their job in terms of safety. Uh, uh, and then as well, maybe as well, just the people are just, uh, are just usually just calmer people here in Ghana. And so uh, you're exactly right. So for, for me, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Kelly. Why, why not give them, you know, the equivalent of what, some 50, what, 50 cents, a dollar, uh, even yeah, if a dollar might even be to whatever it is to give to them is, is nothing. Uh, 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 if you can't afford it, do it. Yes, and if you can't afford it, stay home uh, because we want a certain caliber of um, foreigner. And I know that's not a, a term that Africans usually use for Black Americans, but you still are a foreigner because even Cameroonians when they come to Ghana or vice versa. You know, you're looked at a lot of times as a foreigner when you go to another country on these borders that colonizers created. I get it. But when you are a foreigner, 
um, you should come with some money so you don't make a YouTube video talking negatively about a country because you weren't ready or you squandered your money. Now, with the real estate, can you tell people what an average for a family of four, a house could cost them outside of Accra? You know, personally, I have my eye on, um, what is it, Prom Prom? Um, yeah, that, that area is sweet. It's sweet. But, um, what could an average house be in a neighborhood you think a Westerner could, you know, thrive in and be comfortable? Because many people are shocked when I say, look, you could have 50000 or, you know, 100000 and have yourself a, a, a nice home for 100000 especially in most of uh, Africa. Yeah, 100%. So let me, let me caveat this, though, because uh, that's also something that, you know, I think also brings expectations out of whack. Accra, the capital, and I like that you mentioned outside of Accra. Accra, the capital, is 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 one of the more sort of expensive uh, uh, places to be in in Africa and probably even uh, parts of the world. So I I always want to caveat that uh, 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 because obviously, especially for those coming in, perhaps the capital is where they would like to stay. Uh, um, but I also find that a lot of people do want property outside of Accra, especially African-Americans, actually, more so than anything. Ghanaians in the diaspora almost always prefer Accra, but African-Americans typically come tell me, hey, you know, what about Cape Coast? And that's another place that is very, very interesting to me. So for, for those that don't know, Cape Coast is where, uh, obviously, the, the, the slave castle is at. Uh, and it's, um, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, some people don't like it, but uh, uh, is, is the destination most people come to see. Uh, it's almost a rite of passage for most people uh, to sort of go through that. And it's very emotional for a lot of people as well. Uh, but the area, because of that, a lot of, a lot of African-Americans especially are used to the area. And so uh, you find that um, uh, uh, that area is quite, it's, uh, quite inexpensive. So uh, in terms of, you know, 50,000, may even be a lot to buy land there. You can buy probably land for 50,000 cities in some of these areas. That's, that's 10 grand. 50,000 cities is about less than 10 grand, right? To buy property around in those areas, right? Uh, uh, and so to build a property would be what? Uh, depending on what property you want to build, right? Could be about double that or triple that, right? And so it really depends on you as an individual, what you're seeking to achieve, what you want, right? Uh, in the capital, uh, um, you know, there, there are some very expensive areas. There, there's an area called cantonments. And so... In, in, in Accra, areas by the airport, which is, uh, I know, very um, different to what is uh, um, probably uh, uh, normal in the Western world. Because usually in, out in the West, you know, you, when you build an airport, most people don't want to build around the airport. But uh, in, in Ghana, that was not the case. Most of the high-end properties are around the airport. Uh, uh, and so you can get properties anywhere, really from 400 grand all the way up to a million depending on what you're looking for, depending on, on where you want to buy a property. But I like that you mentioned as well, Prom Prom. There's another area called Kukurubite. And so these are areas east and west of Accra, uh, which are closer to the beach as well. And so these are more undeveloped areas. These are areas that will be uh, an hour to two hours away from the center of Accra. Uh, uh, and so these are areas where, depending on where you buy the property from, whether it's from an estate developer, whether it's from family owned or people, you can go anywhere 
put it on land or whatever, can go any far from 10,000 if it's land or to when you want to build a property, 150 grand, 150 grand, right? Uh, uh, and this all depends on who you buy from as well. Obviously, safer to buy from a from a corporate, from a developer in a gated community. And so that's when the price can go up. Uh, but as well, obviously, you can buy land as well outside of that uh, much cheaper. There's land that is uh, 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 close to Kokrobite a little bit that's going for about what? Uh, about 28,000 28, CDs, which would be let's say about sort of five grand or so, probably even less than that, about five grand. Uh, 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 and so that's land that is sort of cheaper out there uh, uh, for those that are looking, especially those that are looking for a home away from home and are not looking for <clears throat> a place to, to sort of work. Because most people buy property in Accra because they want a place closer to the action and also closer to where they can work. But for those that maybe perhaps want to live that nomad lifestyle as well, peace of mind, you know, maybe more serene, uh, then you, you may want to look at places like Ibri, you know, uh, which are closer to the mountains, places like Adan, uh, which is, has uh, sort of a, the lake area as well, much more serene. I find that especially with African-Americans, that is typically what they're looking for. Uh, although I know a lot of people also like the party scene. Oh. And so perhaps may want to so also look for a property within the capital. So it really depends on what you're looking for, what your mind, sort of mindset is. But I, I wanted to be clear about the different spectrum of pricing because Accra is not cheap. And I, I don't even want to even uh, bring, create that per, per perception, especially in the heart of it. As you move out of it, obviously gets uh, less and less expensive and you can find affordable property in up and coming and trendy areas. And so for those with that type of mind, uh, but, uh, but for those that want to be in the action and have the budget, uh, uh, um, I just wanted to note that uh, price, no, it's, not, it's not cheap. Just because it's Africa does not mean uh, it's, it's going to be cheap, especially the, the, the capital. Yes, and if it's too cheap, it might be 419. That means you guys might be getting scammed if you think you 100%. got too, yeah, too good of a deal. Now, yeah. can you tell us, you had mentioned earlier, um, if you are a corporation, buying as a corporation, I, and I know you have to have a Ghana partner there to even have a corporation, um, yeah. then can your land be freehold and is that a way for, you know, those um, folks who are set in life and say, look, I want to come there um, quick. I want you to be my partner. Or they find another partner and I want to own this family land. Maybe we go buy some farmland as well. I just want to know when I demise or in my senior years, um, I don't even have to worry if my kids are comfortable here that they might get extorted because you never know what can happen in politics and there's no perfect place. But is that a way that you see corporations, especially we know the Chinese coming in and getting freehold land? Let me say this, it's actually quite hard to get freehold land regardless. Most people that uh, um, sort of own the land do not want to sell it. It's so it's such a precious commodity to them. You know, very rarely, it will have to be a distressed sale you know, for them to sell it to you. Most of them would want to would prefer to lease it to you 
uh, instead for, and I, I want to be very clear about this, Ghanaians can lease a land for up to 99 years. Uh, even in some instances, especially if you lease it from, so if you lease it from government, let me say it's up to 99 years. If you lease it from a chiefdom or a family, you could potentially do it you know, as high or as lower than that, uh, depending on whoever. But typically, Ghanaians, 99 years. Uh, and then with uh, foreign ownership, uh, uh, typically it's 50 years, or let me say 49 years. Uh, you know. So it's typically about 49 years, really. Uh, and so, and then you would have to renew it within that. And, you know, most people ask me what the price is for renewal. There is no real set price. It can go anywhere from 5,000 cities, which is about less than $1,000 to, to, you know, 50,000, which is maybe about less than 10,000. So it depends on the land as well, where it is. Uh, uh, and I would say that before you, uh, before you, uh, uh, as you're signing this contract, all of this has to be stated in the agreement, you know, what the price will be or what the, the mechanism for the calculation of the price will be, you know, by that point. So that, that is why we recommend, we have recommended vetted lawyers that we work with, that we recommend that clients utilize as well uh, uh, to, to sort of purchase uh, this line and, and also to, to get the sale agreement done, right? Uh, uh, and so at the end of the day, you will have to be sort of comfortable with the agreement uh, before you sign it. But it, these are things that you have to keep in mind uh, uh, before, you, before you sign that line. Uh, with respect to corporate, like as the, the corporate angle of things, um, always better to have a, a partner uh, um, uh, as you're setting this up, uh, um, as you're setting sort of some of these things up. I don't, I don't, you don't necessarily, I don't believe, and obviously a lawyer can correct, but you don't necessarily need to have a foreign, uh, sort of a, a local partner to set up an entity here. You will need to have your work permit documentation and everything else before you can, you can run a company here locally. And so obviously if you had a local partner, that local partner can be the partner to do that. And so you don't need to get that documentation uh, uh, um, done, uh, but you don't necessarily need it, right, uh, to do it. And even then, typically, like I said, corporates even can typically only get about 99-year sort of uh, 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 leaseholds and very hard to get freehold, unfortunately, today, very hard to get it. Okay, okay. Well, you guys got that part of the game. Now let's get into the capital raising and everything else that you are doing, because I'm sure when, you know, people hear, okay, I'm an investor, which is a term that I really don't even like using because I, you know, we all have investment somewhere. Some of us have invested in our education, whatever, right? But in That's the fair. different investments that we have in on the continent, I hate putting that term and I have not yet put it on my, LinkedIn or, or platform, other social media platforms, because I find it to be overused by people who don't even know sometimes what a ledger is. And so I, 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 can you explain the investment side? And if there's some people in America, because I get this question all the time, and I have a website, mallofafrica.africa investments that we have vetted. And I'm actually putting you in um, a course of mine, just so you know. Um, it's okay. a, a course on how to um, travel and, and invest in Africa. And I'm talking, I, I put your company's name already, but um, I want to know if people want to invest and say, look, I have some money. I'd like to invest. I want to invest in African companies. 
I want to trust you with my funds. Are you guys accepting investors? Do they have to be sophisticated investors? Are there any rules put on you or that you guys have a policy saying we have to, you have to have this amount of money to, for us to even take it? Because you giving us $500 isn't going to move the needle. Or maybe you want those micro investments. So tell us about how that works. Yeah, I, so I'll say typically I, I, I do not uh, like to do with uh, micro, micro investors. I, 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 I'll, I'll state the reason why, you know, like, uh, uh, um, you know, having micro, many, my, as, as, with micro investments, typically it means you're having many investors. Having many investors means many phone calls. And many phone calls, about $500 investment. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm just a human being, but I can't take all of those uh, um you know discussions and calls, uh, um, but I, I will say this: there are there are um, platforms for that. So I'll plug one of my buddy's platforms, CoFundi, C O F U N D I E. I'll plug in a buddy of mine uh, where you can invest, you know, about five hundred dollars into property developments in Africa, so Ghana, Nigeria to start with, and so they are taking those sort of micro investments in, and so they put it into a, a, a sort of a, a group. Like they can they invest in developments in in, uh, in Africa and then provide you ret- returns therein, right? Uh, and so there are people doing that, and I, I you know I, I think uh, it's good to look out for some of those folks. With respect to um, so um, investing maybe in tech, maybe let's let's focus on on that realm. Uh, um, you know what I do really is is to really find tech investments that are, are very much of interest to me, uh, 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 you know, uh, in platforms or, 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 or tech platforms that I believe in, uh, and sort of finding them, uh, um, you know, investors that fit the mandate, who understand, uh, uh, um, you know, the investment, uh, uh, um, uh, um, the investment terrain, uh, and are, are confident enough and, and sort of patient enough to, to allow the, the, the um, uh, uh, the founder of the company to sort of grow that platform. You know, on the continent, you find it's always very interesting to me. Actually, you know, the investment game is very interesting to me. But you find that these days, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw Jack Dorsey came to the continent. Zuckerberg came there as well. Uh, um, uh, Bezos as well just uh, put in, uh, uh, you know, I think about ten million into a company called Chipper, Chipper Cash as well. It's always I don't know. It's obviously good. The investment is coming in, but it's always, almost always, unfortunate that it doesn't come much more from either Africans themselves or even the African Americans as well. Uh, 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 you know that class of people. We always come in a bit too late to some of these things. A bit too late to the party. Uh, the continent is is pretty much, in my mind, uh, the wild wild west in a lot of ways. Maybe not as savage or as violent as, as it was back then, uh, uh, but certainly in terms of opportunity, there's so much opportunity here, and it really is for those that have that risk appetite uh, 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 and are willing to and understand that the returns from from this could be astronomical, right? Uh, in terms of investment, is there any real sort of uh, um, 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 any really of these buckets, whether right? it's property or tech or whatever? You know, I I, uh, um, I had a real education when I was working with the family office because actually, although I was working in Canada, I also uh, worked quite a bit in Africa. So I would fly a lot actually to Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, South Africa, 
Ghana uh, on behalf of the family looking at investment opportunities there. That family uh, had, has relationships in the continent, has family there as well, in Kenya especially. Uh, and so I'd already had an understanding of the opportunities there. Uh, but they were also very much Canadian, but still decided to come back and, and look at opportunities there as well. And so for me, understanding what was out there, talking to people who had made it on the continent, you know, uh, white or black, and there are a lot of white guys, you know, who, who've come to, a white Canadian guy, I'm thinking of him now, who has been quite so successful in Kenya and in Nigeria, in the mining space, in the sort of, uh, on the, in, in the sort of the, uh, um, uh, consumer goods space as well. And, you know, it really was just about perseverance because he understood that the returns there, you know, are, are really mostly 10 times, sometimes 100 times more than you will find on, on in the Western sphere because the risk is much lower in the West, in the West being Europe or, or the United States, right? So uh, uh, for me, I'll say we're always looking for investors. We're always looking for, for those that are, for the tech companies, especially some of the sort of uh, seed investments or companies that are at Series A level, so Series A being uh, much larger ticket sizes, you know, uh, uh, there are there are seed uh, uh, investments that are looking for, let's say, as low as five grand, but although I typically like sort of ten grand, fifty grand investments into into tech companies. Uh, for those that are, are interested in that, I'm uh, happy to chat with those different individuals and find them companies that make sense to them. Uh, typically, the companies I am interested in are companies in Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, Egypt. Uh, these are sort of, Ghana is obviously my home base, but those countries are the countries with obviously the highest um, amount of return. I am not, uh, obviously, I wish I was more French-speaking, uh, I used to know some French before I went to Canada, uh, but the Francophone market is also quite interesting. Uh, uh, obviously, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Senegal, uh, these are probably sort of the countries that you would think of within that realm. Uh, but I focus more on sort of the, the English-speaking, let me say, uh, countries for now. So I, I'll say that I'm, I'm always interested in, in talking to angel investors as well uh, um, who are interested in, in placing capital in some of these companies. Uh, 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 um, in the tech companies. And in terms of investment into property, you know, the luxury side of, of, of the investment angle is, I mean, uh, uh, you find that the returns, you know, you can get sometimes 125% returns within a year or two in a Nigerian luxury property space, which never really goes down regardless of inflation in Nigeria, regardless of the economic aspects in Nigeria, the luxury market in Ghana, Nigeria, typically is always up there. And now, especially with, you know, if you think about it, it you put your investor hat on, with, especially with Ghana and Nigeria, you think of those two countries, um, these are now almost, in terms of culture, up there with, uh, with, you know, are very close really to the African-American uh, sort of uh, impact on culture. I mean, it's, it, especially with the fact that Nigerians, Nigerian and Guinean culture is affecting African-American culture, which is already probably, especially with, you know, uh, uh, lifestyle culture, D number one out there, 
And you find that because of that, a lot of people are want to come to these these two places and are doing short-term stay, you know. Uh, before I always mentioned before the pandemic, that was, and it's going to be even still, and even still is kind of actually now, even with COVID, uh, um, a big, big market, you know, the short-term rental market. So as an investor, you think about it, most people would prefer if they are doing short-term rental to stay within the capital. And most of them would prefer to stay in some type of luxury. You know, they don't want to stay in something shorty, right? And so because of that, the luxury market uh, uh, continues to sort of grow within that market because people want to park their money there because uh, the returns are there, either in terms of the appreciation of the building or because of the sort of the incremental monthly returns that come from a short-term stay. So, you know, these are some of the aspects to think about as an investor. I mean, I, for those that are afraid of the continent, you'll probably be afraid until... Jeff Bezos uh, uh, or whoever else has put in a billion dollars into the continent. You know, these guys who have no affiliation to the continent are putting capital in, right? And so why not you? Uh, and obviously I know that not everybody has the capital of Jeff Bezos, but that's why I mentioned the co-funding example, right? And there's even other um, micro investment uh, uh, platforms into agriculture as well, right? So. There are these sort of platforms out there where you can put some capital in there as well and grow your returns out of it as well. And the returns are astronomical, right? And it's important that you pick, obviously, the right places, the right content, or the right platforms. That's where your due diligence has to be primed. Uh, uh, but people are doing it, and they're doing it right now. So why not you? Well, and let me ask you. You know, you talk about someone giving five or 10,000 and you know, Americans, um, we can be very greedy. All of us are my, wait, so you mean if I give you 10,000, you can find me a place of 125,000 return. I tell people modest, you know, for investment, 32% is an average of what I'm making on my money on micro investments. I even have one in Ghana um, that I invest in Cologne there. Um, But when you tell someone that, does Manta Capital, um, you know, I don't want to say that you're vouching for it. Or are you just guiding them to the options and say, do your own due diligence, that these are the companies? Because what you don't want is someone to put their last $10,000 in, and then they're saying, Manta Capital, lost my money for me. I told you, you can't trust anything overseas. It's America first. So, like, that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 I, I completely get you, and uh, I do obviously. I do a few things. So Mansa is more tech investments, uh, uh, and so what I the hundred twenty five percent was in luxury investments in Nigeria specifically. So it wouldn't be five thousand or ten thousand. It would be you know five hundred grand and up investments into this species, right? And so that with Cecil. Cecil can assist. In fact, we're we're assisting a client now with closing a $1.2 million, you know, high-end property. This is a client who lives in uh in Kuwait. He's a Nigerian who lives in Kuwait, who's investing in luxury uh, property because he understands the the sort of the returns within that specific market, right? And um, I like that you mentioned 32% uh within sort of uh, um uh, as your sort of internal microinvestments. You can get those similar returns in the sort of the middle markets, but you know, it, 
that's why I mentioned it typically depends on the individual or really end of the day, what they're what they're expecting, what they're looking at that for, right? Because that is a you know, 15 to 30 percent returns is a better metric for if you're looking to buy like a one studio apartment or a one bedroom apartment uh, somewhere in Accra for Airbnb. That makes more sense to me. Uh, uh, um, in, with, with, with regard to that sort of uh, investment in, uh, and obviously there are lower returns depending on what you're purchasing as well, right? And if you were to, let's say, buy uh, um, like a, um, um, you know, a, a beachfront property, 5,000, and you understand that the trend is that, so a place like Prom Prom, where the trend is that more people are moving there, that place is expanding. You can find property for $5,000, $10,000. Definitely within sort of the next, let's say, five years, that investment uh, could prove to be even sort of a, a multiples, multiples of sort of returns right, in terms of investment. So it depends on the advice you're getting. And I'll say with property, Cecil can assist you. With Manta, on the tech side, we can assist you with placing capital, right? So uh, I and we'll obviously be very, very transparent with you uh, in terms of what the risks are as well with any investment. And it's important, and I don't want to baby anyone. Uh, there are risks with every investment. It's important to understand this. Uh, but I, what I, the reason why I mentioned the success stories is that there are people doing this now, today, that people who have done it for 10 years, even when there were worse, worse metrics about the continent. You know, when, when the continent was probably in worse shape, there are people making astronomical returns then. Why not do it today when the continent really has not been in better shape and has not trended towards a more positive sort of trend at any point uh, in, its, in its post-colonial history, right? So that is sort of the, 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 the point I'm trying to make. Uh, I don't want to baby anyone. I am not God. There are risks uh, involved in everything involved in this. Uh, uh, but I'm here. I, I sort of, uh, uh, and my, my, you know, I was, my, my dad always points out that, uh, you know, he wouldn't have been as successful in the West. You know, uh, 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 you know he sees a lot of his friends who left, you know, who went to school out there in the West, stayed there. Right. And I've done well for themselves, but he's done better than them. Right. And so you ask yourself, really, I am the day. Uh, it depends on you. It depends on, you know, your family, what you're doing now. It really is a personal decision uh, at the end of the day. And I don't want to push anyone into anything. Uh, but I, I just want to be quite clear as to what the opportunities are and help you understand that there are people who even have no linkage to the continent who are here. Who have spent astronomical amounts of money uh, and, are, and are making great returns. And I'll even give this end by mentioning the Indians out in East Africa and the Lebanese, especially out in West Africa. And when you come to the continent and you go to these various places and you realize how successful these people are, these people had no, they have no connection to the continent, really. And I've come here, I've been quite successful. So what does that tell you? They've been here for 50 years, some of them 100 years, right? Uh, uh, what does that tell you, right? It tells you that there's a, a great opportunity here and really it's for you and you don't need to jump into it. You can sort of obviously gently nudge yourself into it. But they've done it uh, and some of them had to do it. You know, they were forced into it, 
right? You have to leave their countries for whatever reason, but they've done it. So yeah, definitely it can be done. Definitely. And, you know, I know some people when they hear you say that will say, well, they had um, a whole country to help them because they don't understand the history sometimes and they don't understand yeah. how people have really, like, really hustled to get where they are. So to um, try to downgrade somebody's hustle because you're not there yet is a big hater move. But I got two more questions for you. One, how, how important do you think your education in college, because college is changing, especially with COVID, everything is virtual. And I, I was teaching in college, like because the professor said, you know, especially when I went to grad school, the, the professor said, you know more about this than me. Will you teach this course? And I said, okay, no problem. And I love Dr. Murray for that. But how important do you think college was for you and that it will be? Because I'm telling my kids, everything you could learn in college, you could learn right now. They're 7 and 11, but I'm just getting their mind ready to say, focus on what you love now. But I just want to know your opinion because you were doing mathematics and, you know, um, I just want to know. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did economics here and political science. Uh, I went to U of T uh, um, and I'll say this. It's a more nuanced answer. Um, so I'll say this, you know, my granddad was a professor, you know, back in the day. And I believe that uh, back in the day, it was a great innovation university. University as itself, as a, as a thing, as an entity, was a fantastic innovation because that's where all the information was. That's where all the knowledge was. And that's where also tutors were people that could assist you with that, with that, uh, uh, with understanding the world. Right. And today it is exactly it does exactly that as well. But obviously to a much, much more diminished level than it was when my granddad did it, what, 50, what, 60 odd years when he first started as a professor. Right. So obviously we have the Internet. You're, you're exactly right. Your kid could potentially start doing something now today would be an expert at that level, maybe even by the time he's 15 years old and could potentially sort of start a business by that age or when he's 18, and potentially could be a billionaire by the time he's 21. It could happen and it has already happened right now, right? Uh, and so, I mean, to say that uh, being in university is ultimately sort of the ultimate thing for anything would be a lie. Uh, the, the university, grad school, all of these elements to me are important for two main reasons today. Connections, network, which again, maybe even today is not as much as it used to because, you know, Kellen, you and I met off the internet, right? We didn't meet off school, right? Uh, 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 and, uh, um, but still, you can get sort of lifelong, obviously, connections from, from, from universities or from various places you're at. And then uh, um, the other element, uh, um, really, that a, a university can assist you with as well is, uh, well, there are actually two main, like two main other ones, which is, Sort of training your mind. So some people, uh, um, unfortunately, don't have great parents, like uh, 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 great parents or, or mentors to help train your mind as well. So perhaps the university can assist you with that, learning how to learn. Uh, um, and then as well, uh, um, really the, the third element, which is perception, you know, which comes back to what we talked about before. You know, when I go into a room and I say I went to U of T and I did so and so there, these people have a level of calm and say, okay, this guy is a sensible guy. He did all of this. Okay, let me listen to him, right? So 
uh, uh, in that regard, that is also probably, in my mind, actually, the most important thing a university provides you today. You know, it just gives you that type of shine where someone sees, okay, this is someone I should listen to because of, right, so and so and so. But I think, and I, I, I don't think it's as important as, as it used to be. And I think we all, we all kind of know that today. And obviously, there are a lot of things where you don't really need a university. I mean, you don't need to go to university to become an influencer or a YouTuber. Uh, you really just need a good camera and a good personality uh, and just uh, a good understanding of what makes YouTube or any algorithm uh, tick, right? So it really just depends on you at the end of the day. Uh, I, think, I think that is probably always my answer. It depends on you uh, always, but I, I think it depends on what you're hoping to achieve or what you need it for. Because yeah, obviously a doctor needs to go to some schooling some level, we need doctors to go through some level of schooling, right? To be prepared, right? Uh, but I don't need a YouTube influencer to go to university, right? So, yeah, Benson. Yes, and even that is changing because um, physicians are saying half of my med school, I, I was on my own, studying on my own. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so that time could be cut possibly. Last question, yeah. with all the success that you've had and the best is yet to come, by the grace of God. By the what, grace of God. Yes. What is your community give back that you are doing or that you plan on doing in the future? Yeah. So I mean, with respect to giving back, that's that's something obviously has always been important to my family. And you find it as well with all the people that have mentored me as well. Uh, uh, you try to give back in small ways and big ways as well, where you can. Uh, um, I was, uh, I, I'm still heavily involved in sort of a, a basketball charity uh, um, that was uh, started by a gentleman named Masai Ujiri, uh, who people in Toronto will know very well. He's the uh, president of the Toronto Raptors. And so I uh, assisted them with raising funds and as well uh, building basketball courts, uh, 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 building our basketball programs as well. You know, it's something I like. You know, I love basketball every day. And so it's something I enjoyed. And I like that it's not just about basketball as well. Uh, it's, it's something that involves as well building up people. It's, Masai was never really great at basketball, but he did utilize that to get a scholarship. He did utilize that to then play some ball, grow his connects, and then worked his way all the way up to where he is now. And so that's what I like about it. The fact that, okay, I, I don't necessarily need to be the NBA. I don't necessarily be a professional basketball player, but sports will teach me, you know, just life lessons. Yes, innately, you're being taught life lessons through that. And also as well, potentially it can also give me a career path as well, or put me in a position where I can get some type of uh, uh, real career path. So that's something that, you know, I, I, I can't lie. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really sort of looking to push through. Uh, uh, COVID just, again, scuppered some of my plans with that, but uh, uh, really do want to sort of build more basketball courts in, uh, in, uh, in, in Ghana specifically, but Africa as a whole, uh, I think it's just a great sport. And, it's some, and I think there's a lot, 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 lots of talent on the continent as well. And something that we can sort of uh, uh, push to. Because you know, like, I'll say this, you know, obviously when you're a youth growing up, especially, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's common, it's more common in African households, you know, a doctor, lawyer, uh, uh, you know, banker, businessman, this is what they want you to be. 
Uh, no one really talks about sports. It's only the kids who, who sort of obviously have uh, worse social economic circumstances who, who potentially are uh, end up playing sports. And it's usually almost always football or soccer, right? That they that they end up playing, right? But I, I just feel like not everyone is meant to be any of those things. Some people are meant to be in sports and uh, 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 and meant to entertain us, meant to be in, in that realm. And it's very important that that opportunity is also provided to others. So that's something that I, 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 I heavily, especially as I grow and hopefully, uh, uh, God willing, as Kellen said, uh, I get more successful. Something that I do want to sort of put in more cash into as well and as well, bringing more partners into as well. You know, building out that ecosystem, that infrastructure uh, for sports in general, but basketball uh, uh, being sort of big. In my, I love soccer as well, but I think soccer, there is already some of that infrastructure. Uh, uh, but I, I think basketball is something that could be quite big as well. So that's that's one, one thing that uh, obviously I, I would like to be more heavily involved uh, in, in the years uh, moving forward. Well, one thing COVID has allowed all of us to do is sit down, and structure and plan, even yeah. things we may have never thought of pop in your yeah. head. Um, and, you know, we know an idle mind is the devil's workshop. So the GBBA, maybe you are listening. The FIBA, maybe you are listening. Um, sounds like you got a young man who could be a potential uh, maybe owner of the team or just be the, uh, the whole director of it all. But we're going to take uh-huh. Amen, Kelly, amen. Yes, we're going to take this <laughs> offline, and you guys have been blessed by the game. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, and tap in to the links below. I appreciate you guys. Share the game. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.